All right, good morning. It is good to, yes, good morning, Rob. Good to see you. Uh, good morning to the rest of you. If you're tuning in online, it is great to have you guys. Uh, my name is Dan. I'm the associate pastor here. I'm going to be preaching today. Um, I kind of just wanted to start. Uh, I'm going to give you guys a little heads up. Um, we're going to get real this morning. Um, so hopefully you're, hopefully you're okay with that. If you're tuning in online, it's going to get real. Um, I might cry. I don't know. Um, but it's going to get real. All right. So I'm just going to give you that heads up, but it's going to be good. I promise. Um, but before we get there, uh, I just want to give a, a couple of shout outs to, um, I know I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to name everybody. Um, but just, there's a lot of individuals that have really given above and beyond to make sure our services keep running. And most of them, you guys do not see. Um, and so first off, I mean, we've got the staff, uh, and first off, JP, um, and then uh, allowing me space to come up here and preach, especially on a day like today, um, and navigating uh, this tough season. Uh, the children's ministry, Mary and Susie, um, just continually plugging away um, to make sure that uh, the kids uh, are engaged and are uh, getting connected to God. And then you guys, a lot of you guys probably don't know her or don't see her very often, but uh, Beth Riccio, she's our office manager. I'm not exaggerating when I say she is the glue that makes sure all this stuff still goes. Um, and so huge shout out to her. We've got our online hosts, Evan and Linda and Roberta Markey. And so you guys, I know here don't see them, but if you're tuning in online, you know that they're there. And so thank you guys for all of your help. We've got Art and Jeremy who've been running sound, making sure that, guys, I keep... I keep saying this, and they get mad at me whenever I say this, but we've had a service every Sunday, and we've never had tech issues so bad where we didn't have a service, um, whether in person or online. And so that's just like a huge praise to me. Like, I'm just, I don't know how, you know, God's, but it's because of Art, Jeremy. Uh, we've got Aaron Barber back here. We've got Alonzo helping Aaron. Um, he's the video guy. We've got David Johnston making sure all the computer stuff is always ready to go. And then Stephen Lundy, he is here almost every Sunday. He's the one that makes sure this thing stays intact, that we have shade, um, that you guys are welcomed. And so there's just, and there's more, of course, there's more. Um, but I just wanted to give those people a shout out because we appreciate all the help um, that we are receiving. And so um, with that being said, um, it's going to get real. Uh, like I said, this is going to get real this morning. And so, but it's, it's going to be okay. And it's in the series when God doesn't. And we're going through the book of Habakkuk. And so JP started this last week. And Habakkuk's an interesting book because Habakkuk would have been around the time. He was a, he's a minor prophet, as JP addressed last week. It doesn't mean he was less important. It just means that this book in the Bible is just a little shorter. And he would have been a contemporary of Jeremiah, who was a major prophet, who's got a really, really long book. But they would have been alive around the same time. And so I think a lot of times in our minds, when we look at some of the prophets, we think they were kind of on their own. But Habakkuk wasn't on his own. There were other prophets saying similar things that God was telling them. And so we're in the book of Habakkuk. And today, I'm just going to warn you guys, our passage ends with Habakkuk pleading out and crying to God for answers, and he hasn't gotten them yet. And that's where our passage ends today. And so most Sundays, I think we like to have some sort of uh, kind of gift-wrapped box with a bow on top, and it's this perfect little package, and God is good and wonderful, and Jesus is great, and, and all that thing, and those things are true. But where we find ourselves at the end of today is going to leave us probably with some questions 
and some curiosities, maybe some frustrations, maybe some hurt. And wherever we are, we're going to end today and we are going to be waiting on God, looking and listening for what he has for us or for yourself. And so there's just my cue um, with the direction where we're going to be going today. Before we hop into the book of Habakkuk, we're going to be in Habakkuk chapter 1. So if you guys like to turn there, go ahead and start turning there. Uh, We'll be in Habakkuk uh, chapter 1 today. Um, And this is where I'm just going to, we're just going to jump into the deep end really quick here. Because my, the, the, the topic today is when God doesn't make sense. When we look at our lives, or Habakkuk's going to look at his situation, and he's going to say, God, I know this about you, or you've communicated this about yourself to us, but how it's playing out, this isn't making sense. And so I'm going to start today because I find myself in a very similar position as Habakkuk. Just over two years ago, just over two years ago on Thursday, Jill, my wife at the time, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I shared this with the students on Thursday. And we were, we were, we were in a different portion of scripture. We weren't in Habakkuk, but that was the actual day. And so I started crying because I'm, I'm, I'm processing through it. But um, we were pointing towards, somehow pointing towards God's goodness, which we may not get totally there today, but I promise by the end of the series, you will see it. But about two years ago, I had to stand in this waiting room, and what I shared with the students was some of just the, 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 the thoughts and emotions, the, the, the rock that was so large in my throat, I couldn't breathe and I couldn't swallow as I'm taking in this news. And I'm looking at the ground, and we've all, we've all been in lobbies, and so there's like the big white like hospital tiles, and, and they start to blur because of the tears are starting to form in my, in my eyes, and it's, and it's trying to process what's going on. And I know the doctor has told me that surgery's done, she has cancer, and he's not going to be able to tell her. And so he tells me, and he goes, you're probably going to be the first one to see her. And you're going to have to break this news to her. And I walked through, I actually shared, I'm not, I, I don't have time to share the whole journal entry, but I actually, I have a journal entry, and I read the whole thing to the students about how I approached the, uh, the, the, the recovery portion. And you guys, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's all like the curtained areas, so it's still kind of close to the operating area, but not transferred to a room yet. And so there's all the beeping and buzzing and, you know, nurses and people coming in and out everywhere. And um, I... I distinctly remember as as I'm as I'm as she's coming out of uh, sedation that um, I share with her that she has cancer. I just remember this tear. She's still pretty drugged up, but just one tear slowly make its way down her cheek. And as they transitioned her to her room, I remember going in the waiting area. I go back to the waiting area, and I'd been reading Psalms, I'd been reading all these scriptures, and I'd been reading about God's mercy. For whatever reason, the psalm I was in, I was reading about God's mercy, and there was a couple people there, and I sat down, and I'm crying, 
And I just remember thinking, I know God is merciful, but this doesn't seem like mercy. I know God is merciful, but this doesn't seem like mercy. For the remainder of that year and this past year, you guys, I've had to wrestle through a lot of these same questions that Habakkuk's going to be wrestling through. I don't have all the answers. What I can do is I can identify with you and with Habakkuk in Scripture that, wait, my life, this isn't, this isn't totally adding up. If I know that, if I know what God says in the Bible, this, this isn't totally adding up. And so we are going to come to this hard place when we, when we question God and we have questions and concerns, and those concerns are from a good place. There's nothing wrong with that. But we may not get the answer we're hoping for, or we maybe don't get an answer at all. And so with that being said, I want to start with just, um, before we really dive in here, and I'll pull this up on the screen, is sound theology doesn't mean you can't ask emotional questions from the heart. And this is what Habakkuk's going to be doing in a little bit here. This is what I've been doing for like the last two years. Like, I, I don't doubt God's faithfulness, but I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to understand the ins and outs and the reasons behind my, my specific life situations. And each of you have your own life situation where you've maybe wrestled with this as well. You go, no, this doesn't totally add up. But I would like us to remember it's in Lamentations. And so this is written by Jeremiah, who again, he was a contemporary of Habakkuk. And so he would have written this. This is a reminder of the God we serve. It says this, Lamentations 3, 31 through 33, it says, For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. God takes no joy in our struggles. He doesn't sit back and go, oh, this will be fun watching you try to figure this out. God does not inflict grief or suffering out of his heart. His heart is one of compassion and mercy. And so that is just where we have to remember before we really start diving into the book of Habakkuk, we need to remember God's heart through all of this because it's going to get difficult and we're going to have questions. In my studies, I... Uh, one of my favorite commentators, his name's Warren Wiersbe, he says this. He says, Christians who claim to be without problems are either not telling the truth or not growing and experiencing real life. Perhaps they're just not thinking at all. They're living in a religious dream world that has blocked out reality and stifled honest feelings. And so again, a reminder, sound theology, our sound understanding of God doesn't mean you can't ask emotional questions from your heart. In fact, one of the resources is called A Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis. Someone gave me that book um, about a year and a half ago. And it's one of the best resources because C.S. Lewis, he's known as like this great theologian guy. And C.S. Lewis also lost his wife to cancer. And it's him, this guy who's like written all of these great books and commentaries and theological and philosophical studies. And he's there wrestling with questions like, how is God good? 
And so it's okay. I want us to give each other and ourselves permission to feel, to have questions, and to even maybe um, express some of those emotional questions to God because that's just where we are at. And that's where I am at. And that's where Habakkuk's at. Short term, this totally makes sense. We need to ask these questions. And so what Habakkuk's going to do is he's, he's going he's to approach God and he's going to complain. And in the short term, this totally makes sense. Because this is their situation. The Babylonians are coming in and they're invading, but they're not just invading you guys. They were known for being cruel and evil. And so what we're going to see is Habakkuk, not just complaining that they're coming in, but that they're they're coming in in the fashion they are and the brutality in which they are doing it. Short term, this complaint makes sense, but long term, we have to remember how Israel got here in the first place. And so before we dive into Habakkuk, we must remember that back in Exodus, They've been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. 400 years. That's almost twice as long as America's been a country. 400 years they're enslaved. And Moses cries out, and you guys, you guys know what takes place, and there's this great exodus, and there's the miracles, and there's the plagues, and there's, there's the opening of the Red Sea, and they cross through, and they get to the other side, and eventually they get into the promised land, and David comes in as king, and, and, and they're reigning, and they're ruling, and, and this, is all, this is all good stuff. And then after David, the kings slowly start going downhill. They start putting faith in their military. They start putting faith in themselves as a country. They start turning their hearts from God and pleasing him to the impressive nature of the kingdom of Israel. And time and time again, prophets and priests come in and go, turn your hearts back to God. Turn your hearts back to God. Turn your hearts back to God or there's going to be bad things coming. There will be neighboring countries that will come take over. And so time and time again, the people of Israel have been given an opportunity to turn back, and they simply didn't. And so God has no choice but to follow through and go, okay then. If you're not going to give me your heart, I'm going to let another country come in. And so it's important for us to remember, as we enter Habakkuk, this is the context that they are in a horrible, crummy situation, but for them, and I'm not, I'm not saying everyone's situation is like this, but for Habakkuk, this is the situation they are in. They've been brought there by some of their own decisions. And so read with me as we walk through Habakkuk. Oh, we're just going to slowly walk through verse by verse and just kind of look at what's going on here. So we're in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 12, and then we'll, we'll get to chapter 2, verse 1 is where we're going to end today. But we're starting in uh, chapter 1, verse 12. Verse 12 says this, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish 
Habakkuk opens, opens his complaint, opens his plead with recognizing God's holiness. He doesn't approach God in arrogance. He doesn't approach him demanding things. He doesn't approach him kicking and screaming like a little child going, I didn't get my way. He approaches him with reverence and recognition of God's holiness. And if you guys look closely, the second half of that is, you have appointed the Babylonians to come in and execute judgment. He's not even complaining about that because he knows that this was ordained by God because they had turned their backs on him for years and years and years. He approaches recognizing his holiness, but now he, you feel the reverence, you feel the respect, you feel the awe, but now we're going to transition to a, but I don't like this. Verse 13, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So he's, he's appealing to God's holiness. He's appealing to God's holiness and, 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 how, and how he's acting in that holiness. And he goes, why do you tolerate the treacherous? Why do you tolerate the wicked? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? What's he saying here? This is now a valid complaint because he's going, wait a minute. Habakkuk's wondering, how could God use a wicked nation to punish a less wicked one? You guys see that's what's going on here. He's not complaining that, hey, we didn't do anything wrong here. He's complaining that a more wicked nation is coming in and executing judgment on a less wicked one. How many of us come to this place where we don't look at our lives and go, man, I have it all together. We just get mad when someone else's life that appears to be more evil than ourselves is better off than our own. Someone's situation that maybe, wait, they're, they're not following God. Why do, are they getting blessed? Why do they have more than me? Why didn't something even evil happen to someone who is evil? You see, that's where, and then we're going to tackle this a little bit more in the upcoming weeks, but we're going to recognize this week and, again, next week and maybe some that follow that a lot of times, guys, we don't have a problem that evil exists. We have a problem in the way that which the evil manifests itself. And so if, if a serial killer dies of a disease, we're kind of like, well, okay. And that doesn't really sit that heavily on us. But when a six-year-old gets leukemia, we go, God, Why? And so it's not really that wickedness exists, but that it's not coming out exactly how we would do it. And so we question God, and Habakkuk is here going, hey, I'm not, I'm not saying we're not wicked, but you're using a more wicked one to punish us, and I don't like that. And so he's complaining. Again, what Habakkuk's going to teach you guys is it's okay to approach God in honesty, sometimes in frustration, in grief, in sorrow, in question. Job did the same thing. 
verse 14. We're going to continue on. So now he's recognized his holiness, and now he's kind of voiced his complaint. And now he's going to start getting into a little bit more deep uh, detail here. In verse 14, it says, You have made people like the fish of the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. In verse 15, it says, the wicked foe pulls all of them with hooks. He catches them in his net. Again, this is talking about the Babylonians. They're the, fish, they're, the, they're the fishermen coming in with their hooks and nets. It's not just Israel. There's a lot of countries around them. They're coming in. They're gathering them up. And, and in, in, in this instance, he's using it as a metaphor, a fishing metaphor, but it's also a very literal one. The Babylonians were known to come and loop a ring and a hook through someone's nose, and that's how they would pull them off into captivity. It was cruel and it was humiliating. And so again, his, his, his grief with God is not just that they're evil, it's the extent of their evilness. It says he gathers them up in his dragnet, another, you, another word for another kind of net for fishing. And so he rejoices and is glad. It says the Babylonians, these evil people, they are coming in, they're acting cruelly, they're evil, they're, they're, they're just way more evil than any of the rest of us, and yet they're kind of lording it over us, and they're happy about it. They feel very helpless. Maybe where you are was similar to me waiting in a waiting room. You stare down or... Where, wherever it is, you, you, in, the, in the tears, maybe you're a crier, maybe you're not a crier. But the, the lump in our throat kind of gets difficult and the tears start forming in our eyes and we feel helpless. Habakkuk feels helpless. Maybe you felt helpless. Maybe. Maybe Jesus felt the same way before he went to the cross. As he's crying in the garden, guys, Jesus himself, the son of God himself, was begging his father with questions, please, God, is there any other way? It's the same question Habakkuk's going, is there any other way you to do this? Come on. Jesus himself did that. So if that's where you're at, if you're feeling helpless, I want to give you that permission to be okay. It's okay. Christians are never, if we follow Jesus, it's never supposed to be like, oh, you always have your life together and it's always going to be cheeky and it's going to be amazing and feel good all the time. And my opening quote said, that's like, what, are you living in some sort of fantasy world? That's just not, that's just not what's going to happen. But one, one thing about this is Habakkuk and Jeremiah, they were, they were prophets talking on behalf of God, but it's important for us to remember there were a lot of false prophets that were also talking. And they were saying, as the, as the kings of Israel are going, hey, we, we're, we're feeling ourselves, we're feeling pretty good. Uh, some of these loco um, prophets over here, they're saying that if we don't turn back to God, that we're going to get invaded by Babylon. What do, you, what, do you, what do you guys say about that? And they go, oh, no, look at us, look at us. We're, we're so good. We've got this. Look at our military. No one can topple us. Don't worry about what those prophets are. Don't worry about turning to God. We're good. There were tons of false prophets telling them that it's okay to keep, just to keep living that way, to keep ignoring God. There's going to be a lot of voices in your lives via social media, via family, via friends, via work, whatever it is, 
Doesn't matter what your families or friends look like. There's always going to be these voices coming in going, no, that's okay. But this is between you and God. This is between me and God. An opportunity to tune our hearts back towards him. Jeremiah warned them for 40 years, you guys. 40 years. They had warnings. Turn back. Turn back. So we can't look at this and go, well, God's not merciful. We can't look at this and go, well, God didn't give them an opportunity. He gave them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Perhaps he's done the same for us. We just choose not to see it. We choose to pick the voices that we want to hear like those kings did. They didn't want to hear the prophets going, hey, we're going to get invaded. They wanted to hear, no, we're really impressive. We're good. So whose voice are you listening to? God wasn't asking for an incredible kingdom or, an, or a larger army. He wanted their hearts. He wants yours. He wanted his own sons. As Jesus is begging in the garden, God, is there another way? He goes, no, you got to trust me. I know this is going to be really, really hard. And right now you don't have all the answers, but you've got to trust me. He always wanted their hearts. He continues on in verse 16, describing the Babylonians. It says, therefore, he sacrifices to his net. Basically, these guys, they pride themselves on their military and their brutality. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. They're, they're celebrating how they are conquering. They are celebrating how cruel they are. For by his net, he lives in luxury and he enjoys the choicest food. 17, is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? Guys, these questions that Habakkuk is asking are, they're legitimate. Because now he's pulling in, wait, it's not just us. They're doing this to other countries too. God, how long? You're holy. You're righteous. How long are you going to let this keep happening? How many of us have been there asking that question? God, how long am I going to feel like this? How long am I going to be depressed? How long is this situation going to carry on? How long, is, how long is it going to keep being like this? How long until I feel healing? How long are other people that are more evil than myself going to lord over me, going to rule over me? These are honest, heartfelt questions that just because this happened a long time ago doesn't mean they don't apply to us today. Guys, these are all questions that I've asked myself this last two years as well. The whole spectrum. God, this doesn't add up. I share with the students, in fact, I'm like, you know, when you, when you make your marriage vows for sickness and in health, like I think as a, I was 23 years old when I got married, like you think of the sickness coming as like an elderly couple. And when it didn't happen like that, you're like, wait a minute. God, I thought if you were going to send a disease, it was going to be a lot later. Why'd you have to do it now? And not just now, but why did you have to make it so cruel and evil? These are honest questions. 
and it's okay. What I want us to come with a conclusion today, you guys, and I want you to be encouraged by, is that it's okay to be asking these questions. And it's okay to wrestle through what we call faith. I want to give you guys permission to do that. I want to give you guys permission to do that with me. Because I'm there. As much as I wish I could just have all of the answers to convince anyone that I, you know, work with or I'm around or live next to, like, oh, this is why you follow Jesus. Boom, 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 boom. Ta-da! Well, I think a lot more people would probably be following Jesus if that was the case. Or they would still have a hard time with it. Because Jesus said that. He's like, hey, blessed are those who just never see because there was a ton of people that saw all these miracles and they still didn't follow me. So this leads us to our last verse, which is chapter two, verse one. And this was, this is where we're gonna conclude our day today. But this isn't gonna be a depressing thing, you guys. I want this to be a humiliating thing and I want this to, a humbling thing, not a humiliating thing, a humbling thing. <laughs> yeah, fix that one, got it. And our posture is important here because Habakkuk has voiced his complaints. They're from his heart. They're honest. But what he chooses to do is he goes up to his watchtower. Verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, I will stand at my watch. And he's on this watchtower is where this takes place. So he's overlooking a large area. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. He doesn't get it yet. He's got to wait for it. And so this is where we end today, is our posture of waiting. Habakkuk's response is that he patiently waits, but he's looking and listening. We can't just keep living our lives, pretend like nothing's happening and be like, well, you know, God do something amazing or, you know, you don't exist. We have to look and we have to listen. We have to put ourselves in a place. Habakkuk takes himself up to this tower where he's by himself and he can just look out over God's creation. He can look out and see what's going on and he can be by himself and he can patiently wait and he can look because he's anticipating God to say and do something. See, that's where I think we get, we get caught up. As, as we go, God, God, why aren't you doing anything? We just get mad that he doesn't do anything, but we actually seldomly wait and look and listen and expect him to say or do something in response. In fact, in Romans, Paul says this as, as, a, as a reminder, as we posture ourselves today, as we're going to posture ourselves getting ready for a final song and for communion. Paul says this in Romans 11. He says, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who's ever given to God what, that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. In Job, when Job is voicing all of his complaints and struggles, God responds to him. He goes, where were you 
Where were you when I laid the foundations of the world, when I measured them precisely how I wanted them, and I created you exactly how I wanted to create you? You weren't there. You need to trust me. And I'm asking you to patiently wait and look and listen for my answer. Warren Wiersbe continued on in the commentary. It says, before we listen to God's encouraging reply, this is what happens, his reply is going to come next. Before we listen to God's encouraging reply, we must pause to examine our own hearts. Are we fully yielded to God and willing for him to have his way with us and with those whom we love? There's nothing wrong with wrestling with the problems of life and seeking a better understanding of God's will. But we must beware lest we start debating God and trying to change his mind. We admire Habakkuk for being an honest man wanting God to spare the people he loved. We want him to imitate we want to imitate him in his openness and sincerity and in his willingness to wait for God's answer. Those are good words for us. You see, I think a lot of times we take our complaints to God and we go, we take them and we're like, we're trying to change his mind, right? It's not happening how I would do it. It's not happening how I want. So I'm going to go make my case to God. And if I don't change his mind to get exactly what I want, I'm going to throw a hissy fit about it. That's prideful. That's arrogant. That's not recognizing God's holiness. That's not remembering the place where he is and where we are. And guys, as we approach communion here, I don't have all the answers for you. Because right now, Habakkuk is waiting on this watchtower and he doesn't have answers. And there are going to be periods in your life, there's been periods in my life where I'm struggling and I have these questions and I simply don't have all the answers. And that's okay. That's okay. What we see consistently from the beginning of Scripture to the end is this struggle between those who are trying to follow God and understand his ways. And what Paul says in Romans is like, we're, we're never going to totally be able to understand this. In fact, my, uh, I was talking not too long ago with my sister, um, and, you know, Jill's death hit a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. And um, she asked me a pretty normal question. And she goes, why did Jill have to die? And I said to her, I'm like, well, I think to totally understand that question, I think you need to answer, why did she have to live? Because that's when we start wrestling with it. It's like, oh man, maybe God needed her to live for these moments and for this period of time. And, and man, he's going to use that. Guys, I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand and say, I don't like that. Habakkuk doesn't like this. He doesn't like how this is playing out. But he approaches God in humility, and he waits for God to answer because he's trusting God, has a bigger picture and a bigger plan. And so um, we're going to join Habakkuk on this watchtower today. And we're going to come back next week and... <laughs> 
we're going to address some more <laughs> when God doesn't stop evil. How about that one? Because their situation keeps getting worse. There's going to be more questions. There's going to be more difficulties to struggle through. And so I'm going to ask you as faith comes back up here and starts to prep us for our final song. And as we prepare our hearts for communion today, I encourage you to, we don't have a tower for you guys to hop up on. Please don't try to get up on the church here. Okay, I got a couple laughs. Had to, you know, it's okay. But I want us to position our hearts on this watchtower. And I, hey, I'm joining you guys. I'm right there with you. I want us to plead before God as we enter communion and faith plays some music, you guys. I, I want you guys to just let God have those questions. Ask them, feel them, express them. But we enter this time recognizing that God is holy and we don't fully understand all of these things playing out, what I do understand is the wholeness of Scripture, the restoration of all things, that he has a plan for all this. He's using it in ways I could never imagine. And as much as I lost someone I never wanted to lose, as much as maybe you've lost someone you didn't want to lose, your life didn't turn out the way you didn't, that it's turning out, you, didn't, you don't want any of this to happen. Who am I to doubt God's judgments? Who am I to say I have a better I had a better idea or a better plan for situations? When God's going, no, 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 I have this beautiful big picture I'm orchestrating. And I'm gonna use, Daniel, I'm gonna use your life, I'm gonna use your wife, Jill's life, I'm gonna use these things in ways that you could have never done on your own. Guys, I know for a fact there's people that are going to be in heaven because of what Jill went through. That doesn't really help me. Doesn't help me last year. Didn't help me two years ago in the waiting room. But big picture, God goes, no, 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 I had a purpose for this. And she's no longer suffering. She's, she's, she's good now. And because of that, others are going to be as well. So I want you guys to join me on this watchtower with Habakkuk. And as we enter communion, we don't go there with no hope. We don't go there with uh, um, just, you know, no, uh, I don't know. We just don't go there with no hope. But we take our struggles, we take our frustrations and we take our honest questions and concerns and we bring them to God. So wherever you are at, maybe something's been going on in your life for years and years and years and you're still wrestling with it. You're still frustrated with it. Maybe something's happened recently. Maybe something happened that no one knows about. What it is, maybe it's a trauma from a something from your childhood. Maybe you've had to watch someone else go through something horrible. Where, wherever we are, let's walk up to this watchtower like Habakkuk. Recognize God's holiness. Knowing he has a bigger picture. Knowing he has a bigger plan. Knowing that JP covered last week, he is just. He will punish evil. He will act justly. 
But he compared that with fairness because when we see like, oh, I want it this way, this way, this way, this way, and when it, that doesn't happen, it's not out of God's character, but he is just. And so we are going to approach this watchtower. If you have your communion elements, great. If you don't, we've got more over on the table here. If you're at home, you can prepare them. Let's pray. God, we're reminded that sound theology doesn't mean you can't ask emotional, heartfelt questions. God, I pray that you would encourage everyone listening and present with me here or online that we would just approach this watchtower. Maybe for some of us, we're dragging our feet up these steps. Just tears are starting to form because even, even going up the watchtower, even expressing these things to you is going to be difficult. God, I pray that we would approach this and that we would voice our complaints and our concerns to you, but we would do that in a humble way, recognizing that you are holy, recognizing that you act in ways we could never imagine and we can't fully comprehend and that you've got this. God, help us to love you a little bit more, even in our lack of understanding. Help us to remember that this is something Jesus wrestled with as well. Help us to remember the big picture that we are not stuck here. That you do have answers. We, we just don't have the answer today. You do have answers coming. And there's wonderful stuff coming. But right now, we position ourselves at the watchtower, seeking you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.